0: Welcome to Everybody Has Shit, I'm Kim Reed. This podcast is an open invitation to put your wellness on another level. You no longer have to keep your autoimmune disease or whatever it is that's holding you back a secret. Secrets hurt us. Everybody has shit, so let's all get better together. Let's all try to overcome the challenges we are facing and live our best life. There are parts of this interview with Dave Pallet that are just heart-wrenching. We are talking about mental illness, fentanyl, and his beautiful son, Jake. Dave's pain is palpable. He is candid about Jake's story, and he wants you to hear it. It is, uh, we have known each other for how long? Like,
1: Oh my gosh, let's say I jumped into this in 98. A long well, time. Well, 98 at KFMB, but yeah. really in radio in 93.
0: A long time. Yeah. So your are morning AM, I'm morning FM. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Dave Palais, who has an extraordinary voice, deep, cutting laugh, <laughs> says the fuck as much as Samuel <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys are right we, in there. We, we do.
1: We say it a lot on our show. I say it a lot. Jeff and I always accuse each other. Who says it more? It's his fault, you know? But it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, yes, a lot.
0: <laughs> uh, it's a good period. Yeah. Yes. It's a good period on a sentence. But... Um, a few, there's there's a reason why you're here. And with it's this show isn't just about uh, illness. It's about creating a life for yourself yeah. in spite of things that have happened in your life yeah. that have been traumatic. And you suffered the worst blow. It's so hard to even, and I talked to John Browner about yeah. this. It's mm-hmm. so hard for me to even... It, ask you about this it really is yeah. but the fact that you agreed to be here of course shows that you're open to discussing
1: you know what your I, life 100 um yeah obviously this is a topic that's in my head 24 7 um yeah. but yeah the reason I, I share my, my story is I really don't want anyone to go through the pain that I've gone through I don't want another parent to go through the pain I've gone through so I, I share my story as much as I can when anyone asks um we have a nonprofit which you know we'll t- we'll talk about but yeah. stuff that we do that keeps the memory of my son who passed away in 2018 alive. Can you tell the story?
0: Tell the story. Can yeah. you go back to that? I mean, yes. he because I went to his service. Yeah, I really it, appreciate that. It was unbelievable. It, I mean, you could just see the love but th- but everybody was there. Yeah. But so I didn't know him yeah. but that said a lot.
1: it, it did. It was, it was surprising because I have two sons. I have uh, a son, a son, Josh, who is uh, five years older than what Jake was. Okay. and so my son Josh was the kid that was very easy. you know um, okay. you, and and I I coach high school baseball. I'm around kids all the time. and um, there's some kids that have t- a tough time in life, and some kids have a hard time. Okay. And you start to realize that growing up, is not always easy. And I think it's tougher right now for children more than any time, and probably for parents too, trying to figure out what's going on with their kids. Because you have to be good at everything. You know, really, when, especially when you're in high school, you have to be good at everything. What I mean is, you have to be good at math. You have to be good at English. You have to be good at foreign language. You have to fit in. You have to have a social life. You have I to be mean, good at sports. Can you imagine? No, I can't imagine having to be great at seven no. or eight things every day. Yeah. And then, as you know, when you get done with high school or college, you start to gravitate towards your interests, and life, believe it or not, starts to get a little bit easier. But for that time, through middle school and through high school, it's extremely tough. And then you see the pressures of what happens with social media. And with my older son, everything was really easy. With my second son, um, even though he was a really big guy, and Jake was a big guy, he was, you know, when Jake passed, he was 6'3", 300, I'd say he lost, I'd say it was probably at 275, but he was okay. a big guy. He wanted to be a pro football player. That's okay. He gained all this weight on purpose. Right. But he started... Being one of those kids that was always out where people would say, where's Jake? "Ah, He's out somewhere, you know, because he just loved being out. And he always said to me, Dad, I got to get out of San Diego. You know, this town's too small for me. I'll be living in New York or L.A., a big city. That was his personality. Okay. And just always had a ton of friends and was always very funny and outgoing. And then, But you said,
0: though, that so Josh was easy.
1: Josh was easy.
0: And then Jake, so from the time he was in... Middle school? No, it
1: happened for Jake. It, 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 everything changed in ninth grade for Jake. Okay. Okay. So Josh went to Eastlake High School, which is a lot like Torrey Pines. You know, okay. it's, a, it's a big school where the good but everything. A, but but yeah. I also
2: think you mean easy by the times in which he was going through the process of the schooling, or do you mean just—
1: I, I think mentally tough. Okay. Josh was mentally tough, where okay. Josh didn't let things affect him, you know, being my older son— um, and it's funny, it took me a long time to realize, like you, looking at my two boys, one kid was tall and very thin, and one kid was tall and bigger, more muscular. And, mm-hmm. and I always thought the one that was bigger and more posing in size was the one that was tougher. Well, it took me, no joke, about eight, nine years as a parent to realize, no, the one that is older is mentally tough. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't break that kid. The other one, though, you, he, he would cry. He was very sensitive. And... You know, as I said, he wanted to be a pro football player. We sent him to a different high school. We sent him to Olympian, which is um, a few miles from Eastlake, because everyone said it's going to be too much pressure on Jake to go to uh, Eastlake High School because Josh had done so well in all these sports and was a good student and everything else and went on to be a college football player at Alabama and all the stuff that comes with it. And so we sent him there to Olympian. He he didn't exactly enjoy it. He had some friends there, but not like he did that were at Eastlake High School. And he came back and he said, I want to transfer school. So i want to go back and be with my friends. And we said, you know, okay. Problem is Jake told everybody that he was leaving um, because I'm transferring schools. And Jake was a very good football player. And because he was leaving for a rival high school, he got jumped. And he got jumped. He took uh, 26 blows to the head. As a ninth grader, he got hit, punched, kicked, beaten with books in the head. We took him to the hospital. The doctor says, I can document 26 blows to the head. That broke him even said, you know, the light went off that day. Everything so changed it for him, me. Uh, it, it, it broke his spirit. Okay. It broke his spirit. Okay. And, you know, he suffered uh, concussions from it to the point where all of a sudden he went from this great outgoing kid, the funniest kid in the room, to he was depressed and wouldn't leave the house. And, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. And from there, he went to went to Eastlake and... It wasn't the same. He tried to play football. The concussions kept coming back. He couldn't play. Finally, you know, later on, he last game, he gave me the cut sign right in the middle of a game, like, I'm done. I can't play this game anymore. And my head is just all over the oh, place. No. And so without football, and now he created this giant body. Yeah. And he thought he was going to be going to USC and yeah. being a, an NFL player one day. All of a sudden, he has this giant body, and he can't use it. And he's started looking at Instagram, and it's going, everybody lives a better life than me. And mm. depression set in. And God. from there, he, he attempted suicide a few times, and we did what every parent would do. We tried to get him the best help we could get. Right. And I, I stopped working for a couple of years where I literally was with him nonstop. I mean, 24-7, he was as close to me as I am to you, to the point where I was like, I just need a break. I mean, this is this giant shadow that follows me everywhere. Yeah. And um, we would talk about, you know, th- those are just highlights of people's lives. That's not the way it is. And he would, we talked about death a lot. And he used to say to me, if I ever died, nobody would ever come to my funeral. Nobody cares that I ever existed. That's what kind of stood out to me when you talked about how so many people showed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were more than 2,000 people there. It
0: was incredible.
1: I was so surprised. All
0: his friends.
1: Yeah, friends. And the last year of, of his life, he was really doing well. I'd say for four years, he was struggling. The, the fifth year, he was doing well. So if he would have died, Jake would have died at any point from age 14 to 18, nobody would have been surprised. But the fact he, he just turned 20, so you know 19 years old to, yeah. to 20, he was doing really well. He started doing what I do. He started giving back, and he started coaching these young kids, and he picked his own team, and he started spending a ton of time trying to develop these kids to chase their dream of being Major League Baseball players. And he was doing well, and the kids loved him, and I'm sure you saw the kids in their uniforms. Oh, Those were yeah. Jake's guys. Amazing. and uh, it's funny. One of those kids is supposed to get drafted in the first round this year that, really? j- that Jake picked, yeah. Um, in this summer, supposed That's to get incredible. drafted. And so, wait, who is the boy? David Whittles. Oh, name. I saw, he, yeah. saw him, yeah. On he too. always
0: wears his he has yeah, j- a JP, JP on, on a 25 his, yeah. on his glove. A lot of kids yeah. do
1: actually throughout San Diego. A lot of kids do. Um, they're, they're about 11 or 12 kids that have gotten tattoos, even you know, which I don't encourage, but it's very nice. It means a lot to me that yeah, they remember. Of course. Um, wait, can we go yes, back? Yes, of to course. Those Boys, yes,
0: that that jumped him. Yes, what what happened with that? Those were his supposedly his no, friends. Those
1: were his old football teammates. Those right. weren't his friends, yeah. And but, Jake so the police tried to get involved. My son wouldn't turn any of them in. He didn't see what happened, but he could tell by their shoes. So he knew he's using the restroom. They put a, a shirt over his head and just beat the hell out of him.
0: I mean, as boys, I know they're young, and, and boys can be dumb yeah. and do stupid things and be impulsive, yeah. but. Has there, have you, you know who they are?
1: If I, I don't really, cause he wouldn't share, but uh, the school knew what was happening. And that's what's frustrating before it happened. I told the school this was going to happen. I said, really? yeah, I go, I go, he's, he's, he's not safe. I literally called the front office and said, my son isn't safe at your school. He's fine. He's fine. And then it happened. And looking back on it, I should have pursued, you know, legal on it. And and I think I, I think that one thing I think I let him down on, that he said, why didn't you protect me on that? And uh, my wife's an educator, and so I think there's a big part of, she didn't want to get involved because of her job as well. But looking back at it, we 100% should have gone after the, the kids, the school, the school district for what happened. That's a hard call.
2: One of the things about, as you're telling this story, that, I mean, that part obviously sticks out, because th- that's something that is you can't control that. Yeah. You can't control other people's actions. One of the things that listening to the story and we've had this conversation before yeah. on another platform I you just said he saw people on Instagram. Yeah. I have, I'm 40. I was lucky enough to dodge the bullet of yeah. what social media has become. I I think it's poison. It is. I think it's absolute poison and I think any parent who has the pleasure of hearing your story i think that is the part that more people need to soak in about what their kids are intaking because the instagram is a fraction of a second it's a fraction of a second and you believe as a young person that all these people like you said all these people have all these great things going on and but most of these people are miserable yeah with this front that they can put up to get people to follow them and and become an influencer, that's what they want. They want to be a social influencer. That's what they want, not realizing the damage that they're doing. Creating these imperfect, creating these perfect people for so many imperfect people. Exactly. And it and it does real damage to people. Yeah. And so when you said that he was he was on Instagram looking at other people's lives, I just went fuck man because yeah. I hate that. Yeah. I if I didn't work in this business, I would never fucking use it. Yeah. Ever, ever, ever. You. I say that all the time. I say that all the time. I hate it. I, 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 I hate what it does to children. Yeah. yeah. I hate what it does to adults. Yeah. Like, I know 50-year-old people who won't fucking
1: put their phone down. Yeah. Like, you're 50. You're right. Like, you didn't grow up with this. Like, detach yourself. Yeah. I can't imagine. It was hard enough having a son doing it. I can't imagine having a daughter. Because, obviously, girls show more. You know? Girls always with the, the bathing suit photos and these bodies that I imagine are extremely tough to attain. Yeah, I can't imagine having a daughter that feeling what my son felt,
0: and because their bodies aren't actually what yes, they are exactly. in reality, right? I mean, you you see, there are influencers out there now who are exposing exactly what happens and what does they do to these pictures to make everything look so perfect and your life i mean everybody goes to the bathroom everybody yeah. gets up and yes. has shit all over their house i mean you know but everybody do not have abs that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, let's cut the bullshit like let's get to the, the simpler everybody don't got abs no. man. Like, you can do a thousand sit-ups it might not work out yeah. for you like yeah. you might not be built that way and i think for for young women it's got to be harder yeah it's got to be harder because You said a lot of some influencers are coming forward. That's because the train has stopped for them. Yeah. Because that's all they know. Like, I feel bad for a generation of kids. And I think, unfortunately, your son got caught up in this. There'd be a generation of kids who won't know how to do shit when they get 40. Yeah. Won't know how to do shit when they get 35 because they've depended on social media to create a living for them,
0: they don't have any other skills. But maybe this is tapping into mental illness a little bit too because it's preying on people who can't separate and kids whose brains aren't fully developed. Exactly
1: right. Yeah, and it's funny. Even my son now who's 28, I see pictures of his friends and I'll notice the girls will take pictures with drinks in their hands. And I said to him, are they, are your friends trying to become, uh, you know, social influencers? Like what's going on? And he says, it's funny you caught that, but it (laughs) seems like they're trying to do it. Like they're getting paid by these companies Mm -hmm. to what they're holding, what their famous people are holding. And it cracks me up that they, they'll only hold certain things and photos with the label showing on purpose, thinking that company is going to track them down. It is, it's something else. I mean,
0: it's a game, but it's like anything else. I mean, yeah. what are the odds of you actually becoming yeah. a baseball player? Yeah,
1: it, it, it's, it's not <laughs> not very good. Not very good. So not it's the very same good. thing with these influencers. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's, it's tough. It's it's really tough. So with, with Jake and I, though, for a couple of years, you know, the, all he had was he started to fall in love with giving back. And that's what I fell in love with, too, was giving back, trying to help people out. Yeah. My My childhood was fine. My dad wasn't really interested in the things I was interested in. You know, I was, you know, I think like a a lot of guys, they, the connection with their father, you you might've felt love from your father, but wasn't exactly supportive, whether it was a radio career or baseball. And so I try to be a dad that I wanted. So I took more pride in being a dad than anything I've ever done. And so to hold my kid's hand through this tough time in life was something you just do. And the fact that he started to develop a passion for other things. So uh, and not only was he doing baseball, he was pursuing a career in stand-up comedy because he, he was funny as can be. If, if people want to know what he was like, he's much like Chris Farley. Anything for a laugh. Big guy, anything for a laugh. But he was um, he, he was a guy that, that was starting to get have dreams. And then a few months before he passed, he walked into his room. I didn't even know until people started contacting me on the show. He grabbed his phone and held his phone up, and he did a PSA on depression and suicidal thoughts and telling people they aren't alone. And it went from that, that seemed to take off like crazy to getting calls that they wanted Jake to speak at suicide prevention rallies. And wow. he goes a hundred percent. I'll do it. You know, wow. he never said no. And um, very proud of him by the way yeah. his life was going, you know, with kids and, and understanding, putting other people first and now pursuing a dream of comedy and things wound down um, the last few days of his life, the last four days. Um, he was supposed to go do a comedy show, which he had done downtown San Diego a few times. And they canceled his set because it was a Friday night. Even though they asked him, they canceled it because he wasn't 21 and said, we need people that are going to be 21. They're going to bring people in to buy drinks. You understand it's a business deal. Yeah, it's a business. We we're trying to explain that to him. It didn't matter. They said no. Right. And so he's going through a bad day. And he called, um, two guys that came over to the house and said, Hey, try these mushrooms. Well, Jake had, tried other stuff before he, he was a xanax guy before and he'd smoke weed and you know I was i'm a big law guy like in my house even if you were almost 21 if, i'm not going to give you a beer right. until you're 21 it's everything goes by the law which more people did that, that. And, and that's and people always laugh at me why don't you give your kids a drink and i said because that's not what the law says <laughs> and so i just oh one of my kids i know one of my kids never go to jail you know for me that's a huge fear so right I'm, one of my kids understand this if that's what the law is that's what the law is So, um, I wasn't okay with him, you know, taking Xanax from friends and I wasn't okay with him smoking weed and anything else that went on. And it got to the point where the only thing that would turn his brain off to go to sleep was would he would smoke. And so we, my son and older son and I were just talking about this, about how I would find bongs and I'd break them and he he would name them all. You know, he was LeBong James, John Bong Jovi, and he'd get upset. What are you doing? You know, and he'd name them all as I broke them and, um, it wasn't that wasn't a r- real big deal at that time. You know, yeah. the law was changing and, and everything else. So he a friend gives him mushrooms and the mushrooms, um I've never taken mushrooms, but everyone's from what I've told, you don't take them at night and it's caused a trip. put him in a huge trip. And he was a whole different person and we couldn't shake him out of it. And he went from whole being,
0: different like like he was not
1: dark. dark. Like he was angry. And Jake, you know, you don't want a big guy that big in your house angry. Yeah. It's like having a gorilla in your house. He's, he was a, a nice, funny kid. He was always known for his hugs and he was just mean. And, uh, you know, I said, this has to wear off. And so he, he's supposed to do a suicide prevention speech the next morning. Couldn't do it. Josh and I went in his place. Um, Sunday, it was almost out of his system. He was supposed to coach a baseball game. And he says, I'm a coach. And I said, I don't think it's out of your system. He goes, it's not. I said, I don't want this kid. I don't want any kid to pick up what's going on. Absolutely. And so I made him stay home. He wasn't mad at me for making him stay home. He understood. So now we're on Sunday, Monday. Um, I just was named head coach at Benito Vista High School. He was he was my first hire with my other son, and he didn't show to practice and uh, he said he didn't feel well enough. And so go home. We have a big talk. It's about nine thirty at night. He's laying in his bed. He's just playing video games with a group of people and. Um, he says, I'm going to go to the doctor tomorrow. And I said, I think you need to go to the doctor. And he goes, I'm going to go to the doctor. And he goes, Dad, I'm really sorry about the last four days. And I love you. And I said, okay, you know, I love you too. And that was the last conversation we had. I was standing in the doorway. Um, during that day, someone dropped off a Xanax pill for him, a person he never met before. Uh, someone said, call this guy. This guy has a Xanax for you. It will help you fall asleep uh, to keep you to the next day. He reached over, grabbed that Xanax pill, had a fentanyl on it took the pill, and then while he was playing video games, it stopped his heart and killed him. And so, you know, so fentanyl is only, I mean, basically it's a, the guy we were told to just speck of salt on it. It's mm-hmm. like that small. Yeah. And again, Jake's a big guy. For it to kill Jake, it's going to kill you too. I know, and, um, you know, I, I go to work the next day. My son goes to work. My wife goes to work. And Jake always would send a picture of him walking the dog to me at work saying, you know, the dog got out and didn't get that picture. Called my wife. Did you hear from Jake? She says no. Um, she goes upstairs. Our dog is on the outside of his door. Usually, you'd sleep with the door shut. Um, and then the, the he'd open the door up, and then, you know when he woke up, wouldn't shut that door again. The dog would would be with him all the time. Um, the dog's outside the door, freaking out. And my wife just had a feeling. She put her stuff down, ran upstairs, opened the door, and found him. He died in you know the night before, God. and so. It was it was absolutely terrible. I was at Vista High School, just working on the on the grass, and um, she called just by her scream. I knew oh. what happened. I knew it was dead it, yeah. without even telling me. Just her scream was something I'll never forget. And then the police called my son, who was at a gym working out. We both shoot home, and and um, that's where everything happened. So, uh, it, it, so. As as we we went through this whole thing, and and I can't tell you thank you how much uh, it meant to me that you showed up to the funeral, and and you know so many people were supportive from your show as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was meant a lot to us. A lot of that is a fog to me. Like Jeff has to tell me people yeah. that were there. Yeah. But when I had to speak about my son, I literally thought I was going to get up and talk for ten minutes. I didn't realize how long I went. I wrote down, wrote out a bunch of stuff. I lost my place immediately. But as much as I wanted to break down, first thing I wanted to say was Beyonce, this is fucking bullshit. That's what I wanted to say. Yeah. this is bullshit we're yeah. here i yeah. was just so angry yeah. and sad but i was also knew hey you got to hold it together because this is your only chance to tell jake's story and if you break down now no one's going to tell his story mm-hmm. and it matters that he lived and that that he was trying to do the right thing at the end um
0: wait why did it take so long for the mushrooms
1: to get out of a system yeah i don't don't know i've never done it, mushrooms uh, per person it
2: hits di- it's hits different depending on what type of mushroom it was because mushrooms are psychedelic yeah and so depending on the dose in which you took and how you took it because some people take it through a topical so you put it behind your tongue some people can like eat it and if you eat it it takes longer to kick into your system which means it also stays in there longer But
0: that seems like a really long time it, to linger it, it depends
2: on each person yeah. yeah and i don't know how much he did i don't know anything like I you don't. could you could take one and be fine in an hour yeah. or yeah. you could take one and be fucked up for 4 yeah. days. Yeah. Like it it literally depends on each individual person. So
0: it was just an unfortunate set of things that he just, didn't handle
1: an, a negative on being turned down for the comedy yeah. show to turn to something. So he wasn't as So strong. he didn't
0: have the confidence no, in himself. Not
1: at all. Even though he's a big guy, he was a small person, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I think about this all the time because when I went back to work, finally, I said to him, I went back to work in September. He died in October. He said to me, you can't go. And I said, you're going to be fine. And he said to me, I'm not ready. And he cried and he hugged me and he said, please don't go back. I'm not ready. And he wasn't ready. You know, it's a guilt that I feel all the time that he looked me right in the eyes and begged me not to go back to work.
2: But even though you feel that guilt as a father, didn't you feel like at some point you've got to push him out there? And by doing it, you needed to get out yeah. there to show him that it is going to be okay. You're trying it's, to. You're trying to figure out what the right time The, was. the right I mean, puzzle to yeah. put together to make sure that you know, hey, I yeah. got your back, yeah. but we all got to get back to yeah. normal. Like, got to create a new normal in us. Yeah. I was
1: trying to. I was trying to get him to stand on his own. Yeah. And so remember, all of his close friends now have moved on in life. Yeah. They graduated high school. Like they're she, going to college. They're yeah. they're pursuing their dreams.
0: So he's, he's seeing already all way of behind. this. It's playing out
1: yes. he's way on behind social in life.
0: media. And he really wasn't, because you yeah, know what? The of one time. thing that we learn is that everybody doesn't have to be on yeah, the same path. Exactly right. It's not four, four, four. We're done. We go get a job.
1: Exactly right. Some people
0: don't do exactly, it that no. way, and they're okay. Yeah, they
1: do. and They end up okay. Yeah. But people are in that race, and in his mind—he was always in a race, mm-hmm. and he was always trying to compete with other people. And um, you know, I, I will give him credit. When you know, I look back at his life, a lot is like I, I, something great can happen to you. And I'll say, she's my friend. I really want nothing but the best for you or for you. And, and I go through, you know, my head, that's where my heart works, but a lot of people have jealousy. Well, I want you to be okay, but just not as good as me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think that it's human nature. That's where a lot of it goes. Jake wasn't like that. He was yeah. always so proud of his friends when they did well. And a that's lot of amazing. his friends went on to become professional baseball players and he was their biggest cheerleader. Yeah. He was there was no jealousy. It was always, do you see what, you know, Casey's doing? Do you see what Julian's doing? It was, he, he was so proud that he grew up with these guys that are pursuing the dream. Not that uh, he was left behind the fact that they're doing it. And he but felt like he was part of it. That comes from you too, so, because
0: that's not something that you're born with. That's, that's a taught behavior to be supportive of people. Nice. So you have to know that that is a direct link to you. That,
1: that's, that's very nice. You know, no. it's, as, uh, you know, these kids that, that we started with, with Jake when he played, and as my son, my older son played, but with Jake when he played, we put a team together in 2010. We took about a bunch, a bunch of nine-year-olds, and we put them together. We started with kids in the neighborhood that nobody wanted, They couldn't find a team to play on. Out of those 13 kids, 12 of them are professional baseball players. I mean it's 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 like a Disney movie. Holy
0: cow. It's amazing.
1: And they're and so you ask any of those kids, what do you do for a living? I'm a professional baseball player. That's I play, incredible. I'm with the Giants, I'm with the Guardians, I'm with the Cardinals, I'm with and you sit and you go through it and it's just an amazing story to see all these kids at one point who people didn't have an interest in yeah. all of a sudden have had amazing careers. And uh, I know Jake would be the, the proudest of all of us to Just go. shows the
0: impact that yeah. one life yes. can have on many.
1: And so that's it, it, very nice. I always try never to take credit for anyone's you know success. Um, I feel like I was lucky enough to be part of the ride. As I always tell the kids, I always say, I've i had kids that have been very nice who have gotten huge signing bonuses. And, Coach, what do you need? And I go, I want nothing. All I want is when you make it to the majors in your first game, call me the night before so I can fly to wherever you are and I'll go, will sit right next to your mom with a box of Kleenex. So we're going to be crying Aww. the whole time. But that's all I want. I just that's want to so see one of these kids though. play in a major league uh, field and, and chase their dream and watch that they made it. Yeah. You know, so they're all in the minors right now. And a lot of them have earned scholarships. And it's grown to, from those few kids to more than 50 scholarships. And, and I couldn't be more proud of these guys that are chasing the dream. And so, I, but I know Jake would be extremely excited. And, and as I said, the team that Jake picked at the end, we, those kids are finishing up right now. And um, I promised him I was literally handing the team over to Jake saying, you know, I've done this. This is going to be your thing from now on. You know, I kind of need a break. I I never go on vacation. Your mom probably wants to see me. And I said, this is going to be your thing. And he goes, all right, I'm ready. That, you know, so I promised those kids when Jake passed, I'll stay with you to the very end. And so now that they're coming to the end, it's kind of bittersweet. It's very sad. It's that a legacy, though. That it's, yeah. It, and we're continuing. You know, I thought I would wrap it up, but we aren't. So <laughs> we're taking, taking a group of 15-, 16-, 17-year-olds to Arizona in June, and we're going to try and do the same thing with them and have them pursue their scholarships. So,
0: So the story doesn't end, though. No. It continued until just...
1: It's so, March, right? Yes, we. Um, so the the FBI and and the police uh, have done a tremendous job. They tracked down two people involved that were involved in Jake receiving the pill with the fentanyl on it. it where did a, he get the? Uh, where did uh, he get it? It was a uh, one. It was a person who found. Believe it or not, through Instagram, who said this guy <laughs> can get it for you. Never met the guy. You know, I didn't. I didn't know who it was. The police came. They took his phone. They took his PlayStation. They took anything that Jake could possibly contact anybody with. And these two guys had never met. So somebody recommended <clears throat> that Jake call this, this person to get a, a Xanax pill. And um, that was the first time they met, that one, that one brief second. So the case was, was put off over and over again because of COVID, you know, sentencing. People say, you're going to feel better after the sentencing. And this went all the way from San Diego all the way to Kansas, crossing state lines with meth and fentanyl and weapons. And it was a, it was a big federal case. Yeah, It was a big federal case. And so it came down to the two people, the person that gave Jake the pill and the person that gave that guy the pill to give to Jake. And it wasn't just like we were trying to kill Jake. They had a dirty batch Mm -hmm. and they were killing people and didn't seem to care. I mean, they knew when Jake died on that Monday night, they, the guy knew he knew and still on the next day on Instagram showed a picture of a a bag full of pills and I still have more, have more pills. He did not give a shit that my son died. See, and that's the that's the part that, and I, I've shared this with
2: you before. You're much better than I am because uh, I couldn't have. I not control that rage. I had a, I have a promising son who went through who went through something, came out of the other end of it, and not only is he better, in in many ways, because he went through a downtime, he went through a tough time. He's now helping other kids awesome. realize their dreams and and growing and being something else. And I got taken away from him yeah. by you. And not even that, oh, man, hey, I made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was an accident. Yeah. No, hey, here's this other bag of pills the next day on
1: Instagram. Like, I would... I would be in jail, so when I, and, I, and the thing is, I get excited because my adrenaline goes like you do. That's how my brain worked. Yeah, my brain worked when I, you know, I can see you thinking the way I thought. Yeah, man. So, so you I'm not, just that just makes me, kill me feel him like I'm not crazy, 100. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, there's a big part of me has thought of that. You know, being honest here, you know, if it wasn't for an old, another son or, or, or my wife, I think I would have felt better. I literally I said to the police, I said, I tell you what, let's waive the 20 years for 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes. And they said, "Will you guarantee I'll be alive when the 10 minutes are up. I said, absolutely not. And they go, that's why we're not going to give you the 10 minutes. Yeah. Lock but me, I, lock I, I me think, up anything. I'll jaywalk. But I thought it would make me feel better, you know? And I go, yeah, I have a million times it's gone through my head on what I would do. Mm. And, um, you know, I, obviously my older son and I were, we're best friends, you know, and, and, you know, I don't want to miss out on the day he gets married or the day he has kids. And, and there are things I want to see in life. Um, but, I, I thought just like you, when, when you started talking, I'm like, it makes me feel like I'm not nuts for for not being crazy.
2: Because I think a lot of people like the ability to show restraint yeah. is a is always a good sign of character, and that's one of the things that I struggle with when yeah. it comes to violence. Yeah, because I it's never necessary. And yeah. when a someone does something and shows zero remorse for it, because accidents happen. I grew up in a family where my entire family sold drugs and, and, and were gangbangers, yeah. and so there's a code of of ethics in which which people operate. And so when something like that does happen, there's a way that you just got to bite the bullet. Now you may not want to, but you have to, because now it falls back on other people. So the guy who gave it to him, now it fell back on him because this guy didn't do what he was supposed to do. So the, the dealer side of it, I understand it. Cause I grew up around yeah. it. And for someone to just be so blatant about it. Yeah. The people within that business would have been like, do whatever you got to do. Because we'll tell you where he's at. We'll tell you where you're going to be after that. Because we'll call him somewhere where you'll be and he'll be. Yeah. Because we, we, can, we as an organization, yeah. cannot right. have that. Yeah. And so what, every time you tell the story, I get upset Yeah. for I'll, you.
1: Yeah. No, and
0: did you see him face-to-face? I did in the courtroom. And what was that energy? It's <sighs> funny was you say that?
1: this because literally I've thought about this day a lot and said, when I'm going to see him in the courtroom? And I was thinking... I don't know if I can keep from not getting arrested myself. Mm -hmm. Thinking I'm going to jump over there and I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy. And um, I thought thinking that's the only thing that's going to make me feel better. And so when I saw the guy, a couple things were interesting. One was he was a big guy. And I didn't know what size he was, but he was a big guy. Probably about 6'3", probably almost 400 pounds. He was just a a big schlub, is what he was. He wasn't a muscular guy. it was just a big mess. Yeah, just a big mess. And you realize when he spoke, he wasn't very smart. He was a dumb guy. And then you realize his story was his mother had him deal drugs for her first and he brought money and drugs back to her. And that's why he was brought up by working for his mom. And then he got in with a bigger Mm -hmm. group. But I'm listening to him talk and I'm looking at his mom who's in the courtroom and his aunt and they did not give a shit. They didn't care that this kid was paying the price for their crimes. And I literally, when it was over, I, I felt like, um, I felt like there, she should have been the one in jail. Yeah, she fucked this kid over. If, she, yeah. if that kid had a good mom, he would have had a different life.
0: Because that's all he. Knew. And I,
1: yeah, I didn't feel bad for him. I'm right. just saying the wrong person's yeah. going to prison for 20 yeah. years.
2: Right.
1: And so it was. It was very interesting when we went to court. My wife spoke. I spoke. And my son spoke. And none of us knew what we were gonna either one was and it was gonna say we didn't yeah. prepare it that way and go what are you gonna say? Um, it was the only time I've ever seen whether it was a TV show or in, in person. I've never seen a judge cry. And my wife started talking, the judge started crying. And then I started talking, the judge started to cry. And then same thing with, with Josh when he spoke. And um, someone asked me before, and if he doesn't get the max sentence, will it bother you? And I just said, look, I got life. I don't care if he gets 20 years. I mm-hmm. still get life. I mean, exactly. And I go, it's not going to be fair no matter what the sentence is. But at the end, I did want him to have the max. If he had anything but the max, I would have been extremely upset. Um, as we spoke and my wife talked about being a mom and finding them, that was tough. When I got up and spoke, I, I told about my, my regular life. And I think I scared people, family and friends that showed up. We didn't tell anyone it was going on. I know people would have supported us, but we, the people that showed up were these family members or, or very close friends in our neighborhood. And it was surprising that, that people were there to support us, which was very nice. But it wasn't, it wasn't a show. We weren't doing yeah. a show. yeah. Kathleen Bay did a thing on, on Fox five about the story and, and she wanted the conclusion of it. And I said, and I gave permission to it. My wife wasn't so sure about giving this. She, you know, we never thought you'd get interviewed outside a courtroom. Um, my wife wasn't okay with it. And then was like, I said, Rita, this is important. These are for other families to not go through it. Everyone needs to know the entire story of how this went. So no one else goes through what we went through. And, but when I got up there, I told my story and, I mean, the, the true story of everything I feel as a dad. And I think people behind me, family members were, were shocked, you know, of what goes through and, and I'll share it with you here is so, you know, since my son died, it's basically all I think about. And so, uh, you know, it's with me all the time. Um, it, it, even this this band that's on my arm that says USA Baseball, when I would take Jake to Arizona for USA Baseball every year, it's the only thing he would ever ask for. Just because <laughs> a $2 band. You know, I'd say i will buy you a sweatshirt, hat, whatever, because I just want, Didn't want it And you know what? I go back and I've bought it every year in Arizona um, since he passed, and I cry every time while I'm buying it. You know, it's the only thing he would have bought. So, um, but I wake up every morning, and it is like a bucket of ice cold water hits you in the face. It's the first thing you think about. You can't avoid it. Your son's dead. You can't avoid it. And then you try and pull it together. And I wake up every day at 4.30, and I get up that early on purpose before anyone else does because I don't want people to see me cry. And, mm-hmm. and I break down every day. And then I go through my day, and there are things that make me feel good. Um, being around kids and coaching, what I know Jake would have done. And there's banners at Benito Vista High School that have his initials, JP, behind-home plate, and I look at it every day. And it is a locker in the high school with his name on it, and um, his jersey hanging up. He's 25, and I talk to it all the time. I go to the school on Sundays when no one's around, and I sit there for about four hours almost every Sunday, and and uh, it's my therapy of talking to my son. During the day, at some point, I'll, I'll admit it. I go, I wish I was dead too. You know, I'm hmm. that depressed without him that I wish um, I just want to see him again. I just want to see him. And um, at night, I can't sleep and it, your head doesn't turn off, and you realize, you know, your, your son's not here. And I constantly look around the house, and I look at the stairs, and I picture him coming down the stairs, or uh, some, what he would say to me, you know, restaurants, whether it's a Burger King or something. <laughs> it's funny, right before right. Jake passed, he said something to me that made me laugh that I think about, as dumb as this is, when we play these baseball tournaments, and you have sons that are athletes, you know, sometimes these nights get long, and the days get long, and um, we'd go through whatever's a Burger King you gotta or whatever. Eat. Yeah, you got to eat. You're starving. Yeah. You're playing baseball all day. And I would order, you know, two of, of whatever, two two double cheeseburgers and, and two drinks. And we'd be driving on the freeway. And I'd say, Jake, give me the second burger. And he'd look in the bag and he would say... <laughs> He screwed you at the drive thru. There's only one left. There's, there's nothing left. You only ate one. I had two. And I'm like, God dang it. I always get screwed at the drive thru. For years, he did this to me. And right before he passed, he told me, Remember I told you every time you got screwed at the drive thru? He goes, I always had three. <laughs> and he always, I always ate mine. And I laughed about it. And I was like, that son of a bitch. So, but I, I think about stories like that. And I think about everything I can, I can grab. I haven't cleaned one thing out of his room. His room's exactly the same as it was before. I haven't thrown any shoes away or clothes, given any clothing away. Do you go in there? I do. I do. Um, my wife and son won't go in there. Um, I go in there. I go in there a lot. How is and your wife? She's she's um, she struggles. She doesn't realize she struggles at times. She you know she has breakdowns. She had, you know she had one last night at, uh, out in the open. the The strange thing is, I can have a moment where I'm in a good stretch, and she's having a bad stretch, and we try and hide it from each other because you don't want to bring the other person right. down. And it's hard, you know, conversations are hard because you go out to dinner and it always goes back to, you know, your kids. And it's extremely tough. Um, Living life is tough. One thing my wife does that is hard as a husband is my wife cries in her sleep every night. And she doesn't know it. I go, you know how tough it is for me who's trying to fall asleep? And I'm listening to her crying in her sleep about her son. Mm -hmm. And it's been like this for three years. you want to
0: fix everything. Yeah, you want to fix You want to make everything. You want to protect her. Right.
1: Yeah. And she's she's cries every night, and so from there, you know, health started to suffer. I wasn't sleeping. I was averaging the first year Jake passed, I was averaging one and one to two hours sleep uh, um, every three days, and it caught up with me. I've always been in decent health. All of a sudden, my blood pressure just went crazy, and it was like one eighty eight over one twenty eight forever. I had no idea what high blood pressure was, but wasn't feeling good i just felt like my hands were shaking all the time they were turning purple and and couldn't understand what was happening didn't think that my health was failing but um since he passed i've been on i literally take every morning i take stroke and heart attack medicine
0: mm-hmm. and this
1: is someone that's always been an athlete been in shape and all of a sudden just to function i need to take stroke and heart attack medicine every day and I think that- losing a son is just uh, losing a child is i always tell people don't think about it as long too long my my yeah, I don't to cut you off. No, you're fine. No, you're I'll, fine. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. So my, for you. my, my, my dad passed away in 2018, okay? So on, my dad had brain cancer. My dad passed away on, on January 1st, 2018. He literally took a gun and, and killed himself. A few months later, my son dies. The pain I felt for my dad, which I thought was, this is the most devastating thing to happen because there was no closure. There's no last yeah, conversation no. Right. to how could you leave me without having one converse, last conversation with me to my son dying. Literally, I don't think about my dad passing. The, the difference in pain is so dramatic. And the yeah. parents go, I can't imagine. I literally say, don't think about it because it, it is the scariest damn thing. Mm-hmm. On a scale of one to 10, it is the biggest pain you'll ever feel. And you just never picture in your mind your child goes before you. And then to you know, have questions, what could he have done? Because any parent's going to go, what could he have done? So when he asked how my wife's doing, she um, she went back and got her doctorate. She graduates next week. She went and pursued her doctorate because she needed to take her mind off her son, and yeah. so she just threw herself into school. Yeah, and so extremely proud that she's able to finish it. I am extremely nervous though after next week when the education part, where all her time was going into, her weekends and nights were going into Studying. pursuing her doctorate, yeah. is now what does she do? Right? Does she go back into a, a depression?
0: So you s- you surround yourself with. Friends and support and people. You, and, and they're great. And you can't have you, somebody there yeah. 24-7 to no. fill every void no. because it's going to be there yeah. no matter where you are. exactly. But I just, it's so hard. I mean, I have a lump in my yeah. throat listening to you. Just the fact that you have the ability yeah. to tell this story is a big deal.
1: I appreciate it. It's a really big it. deal. Watching his friends graduate college is weird. Watching his friends mm. turn 21 was strange. Uh, went to a wedding last year that um, was a family friend whose older son was the same age as my son. And we all grew up together. You know, all the kids grew yeah. up together and we're super, super close. And, um, I was wondering how my wife was going to take it and huge breakdown, mm. you know, huge breakdown, couldn't deal with the, couldn't deal with the wedding. And, um, I think that's the way it's going to be for a long time is that, you know, not that you aren't happy, but you're realizing they aren't coming your way. Right. There are no new pictures on your phone is what we say all the time. You know, the pictures have stopped.
2: And you guys give so much and you give so much to the kids of that age. And so every time they experience something, it's her and it's you imagining what would he be like or what would he be doing? What part of this, like when you go to a wedding, it's your son's good friends with someone. Would he have been the best man? Would he have been a groomsman? Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, would he have taken it? And so you, as much as you want to try to experience these things for the for these other kids that you've watched grow up, and just to, as to pay respects and to and to be there for them, yeah. every moment that you're there for them is the reminder of what you've lost. And I think, hundred percent, that's the part about losing someone, yeah. especially a child, that you don't people don't understand the ramifications of what that does to other people
1: yeah.
2: and everything that you now have to live through every single day, the, the hill you have to climb every single day. And every hill is different because, again, this week is the graduation. This week is the wedding.
1: Wait till these kids start having kids. Yeah. Oh, and, I know. And so, and so you – you know I've thought about all this. Yeah. You know which one gets me the most? I'll try not to cry on the show. <laughs> I try to hold it back a lot. Is uh, – my older son has said, you know, when he gets married, he will not have a best man. Mm. And I know when I, when I look up there and my son's not there with him, it's gonna, it's gonna kill me. It, it's the one thing I think about all the time that I cry over is that Josh won't have his best man because his brother's not there he goes, nobody can fill this role. So I'm not even going to try. Mm. And so um, that will be, that'd be really tough. Um,
0: I love that you have the relationship that you do with Josh. Yeah. I can see yeah, it yeah. on the pictures and I can I feel it in the words that you write on posts that he's uh, you know and of course I followed his you know to Alabama yeah, yeah. he what he was he was a quarterback He was
1: he was a quarterback well when you and I worked together back in 2012 he actually left for college to he was a college baseball yeah. player. Oh yeah. And I pushed him towards baseball because I th- there was a better chance of going pro in baseball than football and he hated the college experience uh, where he was at and he just says, I hate college baseball. And I remember he had a chance to be drafted coming out of high school. And he says, I don't want to go pro. I'm not ready to go pro. He just thought he, he was too young. And I said, these guys are your age, but you wanted <laughs> to go to college. So I said, okay, go to college. And so he went to UC Riverside and hated everything about it. And um, comes out and he says, Dad, I'm going back to football. And he had football offers before and I said, okay. And he went to North Carolina. He was about to commit to North Carolina. He was literally in the coach's office. Already had a student ID. And Nick Saban's office called and said, we're here. You're coming back to football. If you come to Alabama, we have a spot for you. And he called me and said, what do you think? And he was with my wife at Chapel Hill at the time. And I said, um, it's Alabama you got to go <laughs> and the fact that
2: you even had to call me to ask yeah. thanks
1: but i mean it, it is so crazy the way it worked out that was my favorite team growing up and it would be like all of a sudden you find out your kids you know with the new york yankees or the dodgers or the padres and i'm going oh, I, I couldn't believe it yeah and i mean i've been a fan of this team since i was 10 years old and all That's of a sudden he's going crazy. to alabama
0: crazy and
1: uh, yeah super super excited by it and he goes to alabama and he knows it's going to be tough to play and he worked all the way up from, like, the seventh quarterback to the number two quarterback. But the quarterbacks around him are, you know, <laughs> three of them are starting the NFL right now. Right. Jalen Hurts plays for the Eagles. Right. Tua plays for the Dolphins. And Mac Jones plays for the Patriots. Behind
2: Heisman Trophy
1: winners yeah. and Bolitnikoff <laughs> yeah. winners. and yeah, it's an, yeah, insane. And I remember when Josh was at Alabama and they won the the Peach Bowl and all the older kids went out to have a great time. Jalen Hurts, who's the quarterback of the Eagles, was only 20 at the time. Jake was 19. They just spent the night together, New Year's Eve together. And you know, I have pictures of of Jalen and, and Jake together because they were too young to go out. Right. And it's it, again, Jake would have been on Cloud Nine knowing Jalen made it to the NFL as the right. quarterback of the Eagles. Um, it, it was it was nuts. But Josh and I do have a great relationship. I mean like, it's, I it's, it's the that, relationship I think every father's son wish they had.
0: Yeah. And and that light that yeah. you get from him. Yeah, is going to be extraordinary yeah. for the rest of your life. Hundred percent,
1: you're right. I mean, he's, he's
0: going to be your guiding everything. That's, he has that's why children. I did kill that guy in the
1: courtroom is because of Josh. Yeah, you know, that's know. that's the find another strength. That's that's it. And he's um, he's just he's a great kid. And um, you know, I said you know kids are kids go through a lot. I said he was easy. You know, I said I, I was lucky enough I got a diamond as I say. You know, yeah. when you get a kid that that just does the right things, and I lucked out with that. And um, yeah, we are best of friends. And even though when he moved to Nashville, we still talk every day and, and, you know, we communicate every day and, you know, my wife feels kind of out of these conversations sometimes. So <laughs> we just talk about, you know, everything yeah. and I realized how smart he is and how much smarter he is than me and, and how funny he is. And, and, and I didn't realize how funny Josh was till Jake passed. Cause Jake was always the funniest guy in the room mm-hmm. and you realize Jake has a, uh, Josh has a great sense of humor. Um, yeah, I, I miss not having the, the two boys because I know those guys would have been extremely close and their jokes would have been inside right. brother jokes. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, we, Josh and I kind of have the the brother relationship. I was so young when I had Josh. I was 22 years old when he was born. Yeah. And, um, you know, here we are. Um, oh. And so...
2: Did you did you ever think of, of, of bringing another kid into your house?
1: Um, no. You know, there were so many kids we brought into our house as my kids were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's there's one that's uh, in double-A with, uh, with Cleveland right now, the Guardians, and his name is Julian Escobedo. He played at San Diego State okay. and um, he's center fielder, and we're hoping he makes it, but Julian basically lived at our house, and, you know, growing up, he had a single mom, she worked all the time, and... You know, my son's names are Josh and Jake, and his name is Julian with a J, and he used to say fit all the time, right I in. fit right in. He goes, I'm the third J. And every year I'd ask him for Christmas, what do you want, Julian? And every year he'd say, I just want to be adopted. I just want to live here. And so, so when you talk about bringing kids in the house, we brought kids in the house for years mm. that whether they spent the night or stayed all day or stayed all week, um, we, we've done that. You know, one thing I, I, I think about these boys as far as stuff that we do with these kids, during COVID, um, there's such a huge depression that hit a lot of kids, Yeah, you know, and sorry, as as you guys got me choked up, <laughs> um, is um, I, I can't, I'm not going to say the team, but I, I coach a, a lot of teams throughout the year and through either the California bears or Benito Vista. But one of the teams I coached I had 16 kids on the team. Eight of the kids attempted suicide that year.
0: Oh my God. During, wow. uh, during COVID. 2020,
1: 2020, 2021. and 2021. So they don't, they don't know, you know, I can't share their, I can't say, well, your teammates in the same boat. I can't, I didn't share their privacy. Yeah. yeah. So that's why I don't want to say which team it right. was, but talking to these kids and here I am trying to help them out and walk them through it. If Jake was here, I kept thinking this is where Jake would have yeah. saved the day mm-hmm. because he had been at the lowest. He could have held their hand. Right. And I mean, I have one kid that literally threw himself in front of a train and the police pulled him off the tracks and, um, to know that 50% of my team attempted suicide was unbelievable.
0: That is unbelievable. And,
1: and it was, it was so scary and, and I didn't, you know, you want to say the right thing, you know, I mean, you're doing the right thing. You can yes. give all the advice you can, but it would, even though it probably wouldn't easier to let them know you aren't alone, your teammates are going through it too. You can't share that information. Yeah. You know, so and yeah. going through it too, but right. It was, I remember going to the end of the season and saying, I don't care how many games we win. I just don't want anyone to Play, let just die. let us play. Yeah, yeah, get out there. I just, want, there. To die. I just yeah. want to make it to the banquet where nobody yeah. dies. When you,
2: have, when, you are, when you have that knowledge, when these, these things are happening around you, and you've, you've been through so much
1: grief. Yeah, I couldn't take it. That's what I kept thinking in my head. I yeah. Can't I can't yeah. deal with another kid passing away.
2: Did, did, was there, uh, did, did you have a, a moment with one of the parents where you were like, hey, listen. This is what you should be doing. Yeah. This is what should be happening. This is what you should I, be looking at. I try and help
1: the best I can without trying to tell them how to parent. You know, right. Um, nobody wants to be told what to do. And nobody, a parent, wants to be feel like they're a failure. But the most important thing is the child. I try and do the best. As I say all the time, I'm not a professional. People ask me all the time. I get emails every day about, my son's gone through this. My daughter's gone through this. Can you talk to them? And then I said, I'm happy to say anything you want me to say. But I, you have to know I'm not a professional. Like there are people out there who get paid to see. Fix this your is kid. where, and this is where, this is where we'll split here, because you're better than a professional because you've walked the walk. Yeah, you've but been down the if, road. If something happens, I don't want them to come back to me and go, "You, you said this. You said this would fix it." You know, what true. I'm, I'm not. I haven't been trained.
2: True enough, but the the training that these other people have, someone who went through what you went through is the one who trained them, yeah. and so the I, the I think, the idea that you've bared all this and you're continuing to help, I think you are writing the book, but the book is not on paper. It's not something that you've typed out. Every time you speak to a person, you're leaving an imprint on them of what you went through and how to help them get through. Like I said, you you can give a person advice. What they do with it is their business. And so for you to be able to continuously give and give and give, I think when you say you're not an expert, you're not a professional, like people don't give themselves enough credit For what they're doing i'm i'm a dick i'm a huge (laughs) self-congratulator and i i I don't give a shit because people don't give themselves enough credit and i think that we spend so much time allowing the negativity of things to, to to be the headline when in actuality there's nothing wrong with saying i've done this because you've made it through something. Not just what you've yeah. gone through, but just in general. Yeah. I did this. And so now that I've voiced that I've done this, I'll get emails. I'll get questions. I'll get calls about, hey, well, how did you do it? You will always get the negative person. Like, oh, fuck that guy. He, yeah. they don't, he didn't know what he was doing. they failed. But they don't matter. Yeah, The negativity never matters. It's, it's, the, it's the person that you help that always matters. Now, you could speak to 100 people. You help one but that one person you help might help a thousand. That's the goal. And that's the goal. And, and that's always the journey. And so give yourself credit, man, because to say you're not a professional, I think you're better than a professional. Cause again, a professional would have been in jail cause they'd have fucked that dude up and they'd have been locked up and not been able to share the story. They had to do it from behind a cell. It'd been a, a dateline episode. So you were able to keep your cool, keep your composure, look around you, look at the other things that you have in your life. Anything that you had to keep fighting for, And you
1: kept doing that. And that is, that's Hall of Fame level shit right there. Try and do the best I can with the kids that I have. As I said, when the kids play for me, you know, they're teammates. I would say you become family day one. And that's the way it always is, that we're family. So we look out for family. Mm -hmm. And I just want, what we preach all the time, and Jake used to preach it too, is we try and create great childhood memories. That's always the goal and 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 base the baseball part you know i've been lucky enough as a coach where we've won a ton i mean we won a ton we play 100 games a year win 90 of them we won a lot um and then nobody cares you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i mean you, you could if you walked into my garage right now you'd see 100 plaques on the wall that say first place nobody has ever knocked on my door and said hey can i see your plaques <laughs> nobody, nobody gives a shit those plaques are only up there to bring back memories for me yeah They aren't an ego deal. It's just I remember what kids were on which teams, Mm -hmm. which kids earned those plaques. But in the in the long run, none of it means anything. All of it comes down to great childhood memories, Mm -hmm. and that was something why I started this whole deal was I didn't feel I had a lot of those. I thought, you know, again going back to the dad thing, my dad I would say loved me. My dad didn't like me. Does that make any sense? Where there's nothing I did that my dad had an interest in. Yeah. You know, and and we couldn't have been more opposite. He hated the radio career you know didn't like it you know wouldn't talk to me if i was out of a job that kind of deal it made him nervous um, it just thought and you know
0: what i think about yeah, sorry to yeah, interrupt no problem. is is that what how, whatever that dynamic was that you had with your dad whatever it was that was missing in you yeah. you became this amazing guy that had the perspective enough to know how you wanted to be and maybe you would have been a completely different guy yeah. you know Based on what you felt that you missed.
1: It's funny you say that. Someone said to me when my dad passed, um, You must have had um, a, a great a great dad to provide the inspiration to become <laughs> the dad you are now. And I was like, I couldn't be more wrong. But then I started <laughs> thinking, because of my dad's action, is the dad I became now. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, it's funny. I'll tell you exactly how old I was when I knew. I'm going to be a different dad. I was five years old. I was five years old in Kmart. <laughs> and Rest uh, in peace, Kmart. And so really? Five years old in Kmart. And every kid in school had two pairs of shoes. Either they had the Nike or they had the Adidas, the three stripes. I was the one, go pick out your tracks over there in that bin. <laughs> and and uh, the shoes tied together for six bucks. Yeah. And I'd be like, what the fuck is the deal with the four stripes? Like <laughs> the three stripes, a case with at least is five. Like I got right. four. <laughs> Everyone knows I got the $6 <laughs> shoes. And I'm like... Again, I got to pick up my shoes. Though in the last two weeks, why have I just one good pair of Adidas or Nikes, you know? And I just go, man. When I'm a dad, it's going to be different. And it's funny. My, my wife always said, "Man, you spoil the shit out of these kids on Christmas and their birthdays." And, and I was like, I was a baseball player too. No one ever bought me a bat. Yeah, and I never had my own bat. I know, yeah. you know, I played all the time. And I was like, my kid's always going to have the best stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, and and whatever it needs to chase their dream, whether if they were piano players, they would have the best piano. I was going to make sure they're going to have all the tools they needed. And I just try to always be different. And again, I know it made my dad nuts to the very end with me. But again, it's childhood memories. You're only yeah. a child for a short time. Mm-hmm. I mean, a really short time. It's important we don't fuck this up, whether it's all the way through high school, college, whatever, because as I said, now there are more obstacles than ever. But it's the great childhood memories. And when you find out, you know, kids are thinking about suicide. One kid told me that when he was suicidal, said, I've been trying to kill myself since I was six six, yes. six years old, and so you, uh, you know, you get extremely scared for these kids. So the time that they're with me through a game, through the relationships, the friendships, all that stuff, they're going out to eat, all that stuff. That's that's where the stories come from, yeah. and the the final score doesn't mean jack shit. It means everything's about. Hey, when I was around that kid, that coach, that team, that was some of the best memories of my life, and that's what we try and create.
0: And that's all there really is when you think about life, and not all the other distractions that are out there. Yeah, you know, it's based on memories. That's that's and creating the best ones that you can. That's
1: that's what we try and do. Yeah, and that's what we try and do. So, um, how can people listening to this help help with what you guys are doing now? um, Well, I, I tell you what, we're doing now is in Jake's name, we created a nonprofit called jigs projects and as i said jake not only did he love people his teammates um he knew there were people that couldn't afford to pay for stuff there are years that i paid for for kids and um this started when i was about 12 years old i remember my dad lost his job and i was in uh, maybe 11 12 i was in sixth grade and i remember you could feel the pressure in the house and you could you could you'd go to school and you go i can't go get a job Who's gonna hire a, an 11 12 year old and you could see it in your parents' face that yeah. things were really tough. And um, I didn't know how tough they were, but you could tell that money was an issue. And so I always tried to pay for kids. And I always had money aside that I was told parents, I'll keep it private. But when this happens to any of you, let me know, and I, I got you. And I would pay about 15000 a year out of my pocket so that no kid ever felt what I felt. Wow. And uh, after a while, I mean, the you know, my wife had no idea I was <laughs> doing this, by the way. But I had a separate credit card that was just for California Bears. And all of a sudden, there was a tremendous debt on that card. And she saw the statement come through, and she never opened it up because she knew it was business. Right. And she says, how long have you been paying for these kids? Like, I've been paying for these kids for over 10 years, you know? <laughs> and and it's not just one kid. It's a bunch of kids. Right. Because every family at some point goes through a, a bad time. Downturn. And, yeah. and I would pick it up because I was worried about the kids again, great childhood memories. This is going to screw these kids up. And so I would take care of it. Um, so Jake's projects is a foundation that does two things. One is we raise money for kids and families who have a tough time paying for sports because sports are extremely expensive. Yeah. We pay for equipment. Um, we, um, we we and it, guys and girls. We, there are softball players out there. We take care of doesn't have to be baseball or softball. You just have to go through the website and apply jakesprojects.org you know we have we have money to help families out i very proud of that jake would love that um and then the other thing is we do a lot of education on not only with depression and with um the dangers of taking prescription drugs that aren't yours yeah. and and I, I do speeches and i'll speak at schools or colleges and uh try to make myself available to everything i can do zoom calls i've done for young teams across the country and whatever it takes but um we just don't want anyone to go through what we went through. We want to keep the good childhood memories part. So we, we do what we can as far as paying for things when other families can't. And we, uh, we want to make sure that families are well aware of what's going on through um, the dangers of taking prescription drugs that aren't yours.
0: Just hearing what, you're an extraordinary guy. Thank you. I mean, it's absolutely extraordinary. But just hearing what your reality is like and the fact that you are still putting yourself out there is tough and reliving it and even sitting with us today and just telling us everything that you have. I mean, I appreciate it. That, that's t- that it, is. Um, they're good.
1: There are some days where like if, t- if I woke up today and it was a day that lasted longer in the morning, then other, I would have had to call you and tell you, but there happens like, you just don't know. It hits yeah. you in the waves. Yeah. When you start crying, it's like, I'm gonna cry directly at 12 o'clock. It just hits you in a wave where you're, you can't breathe. Yeah. And so uh, I was talking to a, a close friend on the way over and, she said, are you going to be okay? And I, I said, yeah, I go. Oh, today is a good day. Today is a perfect day to do this. So wow. I appreciate you having me and sharing the story. As I said, if I don't share the story, it could happen to another family. So
0: Well, it is important. It's important information. There are so many parts of this that are important that we want to support you in any way. So we Thank really, really appreciate, appreciate you being with us and oh, being so you. candid. Thank you for having 100%. me.
1: And, uh, and again, if you, if you, again, if there are families out there, we can help. Please don't hesitate. But um, again. So where
0: can we find you?
1: Jake'sprojects.org.
0: Okay.
1: Okay. And um, there's nothing like getting the pictures of the people that with, their, uh, with their new equipment oh, and the smiles on their face. And I have one on my phone that was just sent to me from a girl who's a softball player. And the look on her face is just amazing. And it, it makes it all worthwhile. Yeah. Feels Fantastic. good to have new leather. Yes, it does. <laughs> it's great. It's great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. It was great seeing all of you. Yeah, man. It was great. Appreciate it.